Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to a special trade deadline edition of the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm Joe Masato. Joined by Joel Lorenzi. Joel, you made it. You're alive. The trade deadline is in the rearview mirror. How do you feel? I'm I'm wired right now. I'm not a coffee guy, but it's it's all on my body right now. I, I'm feeling it. It's 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 racing through me right now. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I just uh, went to Starbucks actually and got a pistachio latte, and I'm enjoying the heck out of it. Right, and you seem pretty mellow because you are a coffee guy. This is not new to you. This is you're like Quinn Snyder to the to the to what coffee does to you. <laughs> I'm That's just right. Little Quinn little expression. less intense than uh, Quinn Snyder, but uh, let's let's get to what happened today because when you look back at trade deadline day 2024, we had some big trades leading up to the deadline, but really no big names on deadline day. I mean, Gordon Hayward is probably among the biggest. Um, the Thunder acquires Gordon Hayward from the Hornets and they ship Trey Mann, Vasily Michich, Davis Bertans, and a couple of second round picks. Um, I'll just get my quick thoughts out of the way because I want to more hear it from your perspective. But I saw this as a low risk move for the Thunder. I mean, two guys who were completely out of the rotation in Mann and Bertans. Um, Michich had come on a little bit lately. I'm skeptical he could have played in the playoffs. And in Gordon Hayward, you get a guy who is um, a vet. He's accomplished. He's still a good player when he's available. That's the whole key is when he's available. Um, and I think he's going to be a guy that could play in the playoffs. So what what do you think about the deal, Joel? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. One, um, because I think pretty much everybody on earth um, thought that there was no way in hell Hoku would still be part of the Thunder after the deadline. And he is. And Michich is instead the guy that was thrown in the fire. He'll be on his way to Charlotte, scared by the, the jewelers and hotels and, and everything that comes with being a Charlotte Hornet. Um, but um, I don't I even think, get that reference. You haven't seen a video of him like in the hotel with the jeweler and ugh, no Joe Young culture. Anyway. You know who's no longer in Charlotte? Who's that? J- James Booknight. James who, Booknight. Uh, there's all these reports. Joel, I know before you got here, but you probably know. It's like, ah, oh, the Thunder's interested in James Booknight. James Booknight could not be more unThunder like. And it turns out he's not an NBA player. He's un NBA like, apparently. Yeah, yes. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But um, he's un but yeah. Charlotte Hornets like. Which is like, you have to be. <laughs> Imagine that type of person you got to be to be un Charlotte Hornets like. But. Um, with all that being said, um, I think with Meechich being thrown in there, there's obviously some team dynamics, but I think the under, the, the, the thing that's going under the radar with this is that I think it clears the way more so because like Poku's going to be off the books anyway. Um, Meechich, um, being tossed in there clears a bit more runway for, you know, an ambitious summer, which is, um, you know, which, which happens when you throw Bertans in a deal, 
um, among other things. And and Hayward himself, Gordon Hayward himself, is is old thirty one million this year. After that comes off the books. That's that's a ton in itself. Yeah. Um, and so um, it just clears the way for a a, a big summer for them. But I'm by then, um, I imagine the organization will know what direction it wants to take things, which was the big theme of this deadline and the season so far is really sticking to its identity and what it hopes to see, not just throughout the regular season, but in its first playoff series, um, maybe in a playoff series after that, um, just through this whole postseason run. And then with Michic, I think there are some people that are down. I don't know that I'm, I'm as down as these people about um, that Thunder losing Michic. Obviously, it's probably um, the lesser of, you know, between him and Poku, who you want to see walk but um i think the the reason people are so down on it is because you know he's kind of steadied that that second unit those J, those j-dub lineups especially in january grueling month like january you know he was a zone breaker he um you know he doesn't have the the burst or or separation but um he made like heady plays that just made him kind of a fan favorite and and gave him moments and, st- and steadied those lineups really uh, more so than you know the giddy dub tandem has in that lineup um so sucks to see him go but um like you said that that guy because of the burst because of the lack of separation probably wasn't going to be a a playoff dude and then bringing Gordon Hayward you got some versatility there you got a guy who they're probably gonna um not throw in an exactly um similar position but will be probably slotted in with dub in those second units and as a second side guy can still score is productive but like you said, the the keys availability. He's only played so many games this year over his past few seasons. I think the most he's played is 50 games in a season. So you're really banking on the availability in this whole thing. But again, low low risk because they don't give up any playoff guys and they give up two future second rounders, which this this team is bathing in in draft picks anyway. So yeah, no, I, I agree with what everything you just said. And one more note to the Hayward availability thing. I mean, since that just awful injury in his first game in in Boston. Even past that, there's been other things um, dealing with a calf strain since late December, but um, it sounds like he was close to coming back anyway. And now that it seems like there's more motivation to actually be on a good team now and um, for the Thunder to get him back. So I'm not sure what that's going to look like, but he's a guy who's the, the availability question doesn't, bother me as much because he was still playing like 30 plus minutes a night and that's just not going to happen in OKC I mean I think he's gonna I'm thinking like maybe 15 to 20 minutes a night I mean I I wouldn't be surprised if they just sit him on some nights to to make sure he's healthy going into the playoffs so um, it's going to be a different role for him and he's still a good player I mean he's very well-rounded career 37 percent three-point shooter so I think that's going to help quite a bit, especially when he's out there with Shea just as another floor spacer. Uh, he's also big, and you you want big wings. He's 6'7", 225. He, he used to be a pretty good defender. Um, I, I admittedly haven't watched a ton of Hornets, but I, I assume he's slowed down a little bit on that end. But the, the size helps compensate for that um, a little bit. He's also a good passer. Uh, and a decent rebounder. So I think he's going to like chip in in a lot of areas. And I don't think he's going to start for the Thunder. Um, but I do think there's a there are scenarios in which he could close. I mean, mm-hmm. on the nights that he's not closing, 
we've seen Kaysen Wallace, we've seen Kenrich Williams, Aaron Wiggins. I think you have to throw Hayward into that mix now. Yeah, basically any any spacer can get slotted in there at the end of yeah. games, especially around this time where where Giddy's kind of being phased out of games. Um, and it's like would you, you said, would you still ahead. start Giddy? I don't know. I'm not a decision maker, man. I I, I think starting means so much less than I, people I totally, realize. That, that's a great that's a great uh, response. I totally agree with you. It's like I don't really care who's starting. To me, I would keep starting Giddy because it's like you don't want to wreck the guy's confidence even further. So it's kind of inconsequential. The starting lineup's been fine, um, but on a night to night basis, you might close with someone else, and that's more important. Yeah, and and like in fairness, like. The the lineup because it includes in the starting lineup the numbers don't pop as much as some other great starting lineups. Their net rating is great because it all evens out by the end of a game. But I I've never felt like like you can only point to on a handful of occasions as as, as brutal as the stretches can be. There's only a handful of occasions where they truly had to dig themselves out of a crazy early hole because he's starting. Mm-hmm. I think it all ends up coming back around anyway by the time he sits for stretches and stuff like that. Like yeah, you don't want to start um kind of in this foxhole position, but. I, I, I I seriously I agree with what you said, and I don't think it's ever been so de- detrimental. Where it's like, oh my gosh, you can't, you can't start him um, because then it, and then if you don't start him, what's he supposed to do with that J Dub lineup? That that just typically has not worked. Um, it ju- it just makes more sense to start here. And then to close games like like the other night in in Utah when Utah's playing his own, um, Giddy's in the left corner, and Larry Martin like aggressively aggressively leaves that wing and and giddy to shoot that that short three-pointer like that you probably won't see stuff like that happen um anymore because now you know the thunder doesn't have to like as 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 much as people are like play Aaron Wiggins like like he's gonna get time but now you can you have the option to go to Gordon Hayward at the end of the game you have Aaron Wiggins like you have this level security on the wing that like it adds this double versatility that I think they've probably been begging for. And this is a guy that can contribute in a in a postseason, which like that that that's what makes this move truly additive to me. I mean, I know people wanted to see a big. Um, I know Gordon Hayward's not exactly Cam Johnson, but um when he plays, he's good, man. Like he yeah. he's, he's still productive. Yeah. I I think that's the point there because yeah, he's he's older. He's 33. He's going to be 34 in March, but he he does have playoff experience. Not a ton for a guy that old, but he's played in 29 playoff games. Uh, I think. I mean, he was on some, you know, before the Jazz really got rolling, uh, and obviously had a lot of injuries with the Celtics and hasn't played in the playoffs with the Hornets. But he's a guy that's been in big games. I mean, we all we all remember the NCAA tournament runs with Butler. Uh, Joel, I don't know if you remember that, but you're citing I, I, the Bush administration right now. Please knock I, it off. I, I certainly do. Um, I kind of you, you mentioned a salary. I don't think I mean, the Thunder is going to have the option to resign him. I see this more of a this is a way to really clear the books um, going into mm-hmm. the summer, giving them more options. I don't think. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm just guessing here that he wouldn't be a high priority to to be re-signed um, in Oklahoma City. Sure, and and but regardless, um, obviously they get some, they get a say in and you know his summer decision. Um, I imagine after you know half a season here, um, 
he'll probably like OKC. That that that's kind of a thing that happens. He seems like a Thunder guy, um, and if and if they want to see him walk, like so be it. They'll have so much room for an ambitious summer. I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't know. They they don't have to start talking um, extensions on a couple of those guys for like another year, but um, they can. And they, they gave can, up guys who weren't part of the future. Right, and so they can map out their future as soon as this summer, and um, that's why, like, I know people are upset about a big, at least the Twitter versus is upset about a big, this and that, having, I mean, people wanted Andre Drummond, like, Perk was on ESPN special uh, crying about Andre Drummond, like, that's extreme, like, you don't got to be that type of rebound radicalist, like, let this team rock out, they added a guy that could play in the playoff rotation, let them rock out with that, with that, um, you know, add a measure, and and go into the postseason and really see if this identity, what this identity could do for them, how far it could take them, um, what they need to tweak, rah, 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 because you've got your core already. And so take that into the postseason. And then you have, like, a, a crazy summer to just map out the next few years and, and you know, make a decision on whether Giddy is the long-term fit, yeah. um, whether you bring in someone else, whether you feel like paying a, a fourth star or anything like that. What what you're capable of, what what the team needs, rah rah rah. Like this gives you all that freedom. Yeah, it, I I was watching ESPN as well and saw Perkins say that, and it reminded me. I mean, I I wrote about this last week. You know, this this season being similar to the Thunder's 2009 um, 2010 season uh, when. They broke out. They played the the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs. They won 50 games, uh, ended up playing the the Lakers really tight. They decided, you know, they had a better look at that young core, decided what they needed. And then that next trade deadline is when they make the Jeff Green trade with Boston and bring in Perkins, who um, really was an important piece uh, for for the Thunder on those teams. So I, I think they want to see what they have. I understand that everyone wants them, wanted them to get a big, and that didn't happen. But like the Thunder wants to play this way, and they want to see if the way they want to play works in the playoffs. Um, and just because it doesn't look normal to our basketball minds, doesn't mean it won't uh, won't necessarily work. And I, I don't know if like if the Thunder doesn't win the NBA Finals. First off, they're not going to do that anyway. But if they yeah. if they don't, it's not going to be like, oh man, it, oh, if only they would have added Drummond or some rebounding. It's like, <laughs> just like we, we lose sight of the big picture. This team's already so much better and so much further ahead of where they we thought they would be. And it's like we want to start like adding, like fine tuning them before they've even won a playoff series or been in a playoff series. Yeah, and I, I found variations of of this idea in the, in the past few weeks, like ways to word it with as much as people hate to hear, like, I don't think this team is expecting to win a championship. I don't know. That, at least this year. I mean, nobody is expecting to win a championship this year. It seems, I think they like, we've been saying that this team wants to really, um, you know, double down on its identity and see what it does because this team didn't, it didn't win 35 games um, saying, Oh yeah. Once we get to a certain amount of wins, we're going to just start playing like, other teams we're going to start yeah um conforming to what they do we're going to be a more traditional team we're going to add a traditional big a role man this and that they got to this point because they experiment because they do this and that because um they double down on their play style and yeah it might see them lose some games um they learn some tough lessons they have um maybe rough endings like the the game in utah the other night but it's gotten them to 
to a point where they're vying for first place in the West, which was pretty pretty comfortable to me, especially when it seems like this window is just opening. I know people are iffy on you know how long the windows last and whatnot, but I think you could live with this year being that year. I mean, there has to it, it has to happen. You know what I'm saying? That you can't ever have this uh, this window per se. Um, and you can't have it last as long as you hope it will without that first year of determining what has to happen. Kind of like you mentioned with the with the Perkins year. Um, a subplot of this trade that I want you to figure out is, uh, I mean, we're going to find out what number Gordon Hayward's going to wear, but he's only worn 20 in his career. And Gary Payton wore 20. And the Thunder recognizes old Sonic's history. Uh, and that number's retired. So uh, I don't know if there's going to be a phone call to, to Gary Payton or what, but, you know, I like jersey numbers, Joel. That would be interesting. And maybe, maybe on his jersey, um, you know, if he's in discussion with Perk, Perk was calling him Gordon Haywood. So maybe you get Haywood on the back of his jersey. <laughs> Gordon Haywood. Uh, Haywood 20. Let, let's talk about the other side of this deal for Charlotte uh, and the, the outgoing players. Let's start mm-hmm. with Trey Mann, just because former first-round pick who at times showed a lot of promise before last season. I picked him as sort of like a, a breakout six-man type guy, microwave scorer, and we, we've seen flashes of that. It's just been inconsistent, and as the Thunder's roster has gotten better, it's guys have just passed him up. But I think this is a good deal for the Hornets to get a look at what Trey Mann can do, give them some more run, and see if anything um, – is there so uh I like Trey a lot and hope he's successful but what what do you think of Trey and potentially uh getting a second chance in Charlotte yeah in Spurs he's just a really talented creative scorer I think we saw that during some of the ugly rebuild years you know some of the you know high score numbers he could put up I do feel like Charlotte um obviously I'm not a Charlotte expert I, I pray for the person who is but uh, <laughs> It feels like they have a few more or less Trey Mans there. Like they have some similar modes over there. Obviously, I I don't know that they know what they're doing anyway. Like they don't know what direction. I know that they don't know what they're doing. Sure. So, so with that being said, like Trey Man can't hurt. Um, and I would I would probably play him. I mean, they got Nick Smith. Like I would probably play him over Nick Smith. Um, see what you get from him now. Um, but he. he even with that being said, there's like there's room to spread your legs there for him, which is good for yeah. him because I think people were like clamoring here about oh he can't play, but that's just the reality of where the Thunder is now. Like there is no room for him to come in and and do what he does um, inside his offense. There is no room for for a guy like Poku, um, you know, who obviously is remains, but like. That, a lot of a Poku guy. mentions from you today, Joel. I know, I know, but I'm taking this as a chance to say, like, for the people who are clamoring for the guys at the end of the bench, you got to realize, like, you know, nobody's playing as many people as this as these fans want uh, Mark to play. And when you look, when you look at the group that's outside looking in, um, you look at a guy like Trey, who you know has a skill set and a vacuum that just it was hard to apply here with how far along this team is now. Um, and I know people don't want to hear that, but it, it, it's it's mostly true. And then with Poku, that's a guy who missed a couple crucial development periods in the team kind of passing by. Like, these are guys that, you know, the, the development of this team 
and where it's headed just kind of passed him by. And Poku could very well still be a good player elsewhere. Um, but I don't know how much of a chance he's going to get here now. And then Trey Mann, obviously you saw. Um, I don't know that you could read frustration from him, but um, there was a lot of DMPs from him, which I imagine he didn't like because you know, back in the day he could have a 30-point game here, this and that. You know, like now he'll have that chance elsewhere for a team that's the definition of unserious. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I retweeted that video from his 30-point game at MSG where, man, he was so quick with the line when the lights went out. He said he, he shot the lights out. That was my favorite Trey Mann moment. Um, and Trey Mann seemed to, I mean, you saw like J-Dub post about him. He seemed to be really well-liked uh, yeah. in the Thunder's locker room. But, you know, obviously just uh, like I think him and Wiggins are are really close, especially their lockers yep. are by each other. So Yeah, um, and, and, and it's sad because – that dude just had a, a kid this past week. Like, yeah. That's the especially sad part of this business is that um, you'd have to get up and move your family the same week that your family expands. Like, that's just the business. And it, and it, and it sucks for him, for sure, which is something I, I think has uh, also gone under the radar um, as part of the nature of today. With, with me, Chich, do you think he regrets coming to the NBA? No, I know this no. is a like. I, I don't mean that in a mean way. Deep, man. Yeah, I just like. Question. I asked that because for so long, Thunder fans anticipated this guy making the move. Mm-hmm. I was constantly pushing back on it because I had heard nothing to indicate that he was even interested in coming to the NBA, and then it suddenly happened. And I think because there was that much build up to it, that a lot of Thunder fans just um built this guy up to be something that he he probably wasn't um and he's a he's a good player but i again i don't think he was going to be in a playoff rotation i think he would be picked on constantly on the defensive end um and while he's a genius passer and i do mean genius mm-hmm. and he helped facilitate some of those second units he's not shot the ball well at all i know it's a small sample but I, I say this because I don't think it's a huge loss for the Thunder. I don't know. Maybe he's going to relish this chance in Charlotte. I mean, you mentioned they're an unserious team. You kind of have a leash to do whatever the heck you want to do. So maybe Mitchich is going to thrive and put up some highlights, and uh, the fans in Serbia are going to love it. But it's just what a weird thing. You come over to the NBA, you're playing sparingly, but for a team that's one of the most exciting in the league and now you're in Charlotte. Right. I think that's probably the most depressing part of it from for him. If he regrets anything about his experience is that he'll be in, in Charlotte with the, with the jewelry boys <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, the very unserious boys. That's the only thing. Um, I, I imagine this was like one of the settings, like getting to, I didn't get to know Meech's super well. Um, but like, I imagine like the settings he would be comfortable in coming from overseas. Like the Thunder felt like one of the most welcoming NBA settings to where you could get quickly acclimated versus yeah. like Charlotte. I don't I can't imagine what Charlotte's like uh, compared to the Thunder um, for who he is, what, what his role um, has to be, chemistry stuff, all that. 
Um, it's just stuff to consider. Um, I don't know that he regrets coming over here. This is the pinnacle of basketball. Um, I think he had to at least yeah, you're probably to right. try. I, I think he had to at least see it for himself and, and and see what punches he could give it. And he could very well, you know, carve out a role over there. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I take that back because I I do respect the decision he made of like it would have been very easy to stay in Europe where you're yeah. like superstar, former MVP. And like, he did what he was going to do over there. He got like he got MVP, yeah. he won stuff like what, what I I imagine he was hungry for more. But like at the same time like he could have stayed there and like sure there would have been questions of how it would translate to the NBA, but he, he he could have avoided I'm not saying he's failing in the NBA, but he could have avoided like, you know, being an end of the bench type guy, but he's given it a go. So anyway, that's pretty cool. The Vasa Micic era is over. Is over. I somehow outlasted Michich. Maybe not if you count all the years he was supposed to, that they had his his rights. But I outlasted Michich's season, which is crazy. Are are they going to keep Bertans? Have we heard? I know this is the main part of the deal. I have not heard. We have not heard as a people. Boy, he gets some. He's going to get some shots up if. If isn't he everywhere? Isn't he going to get shots up anywhere? They in a place on earth he couldn't hoist that ball up, man. I will always remember we'll always have the memory of what was that in Dallas I think yeah. uh, in Dallas this season where he was already shooting before he even fully had possession of the ball <laughs> that dude is something else man shout out Dallas bro uh anything we're missing from uh oh I want to mention the other trade the Thunder was involved with it was more in the weeds but yeah um very pressed they're, they're trading too. Yeah, the the second least favorable of their 2024 pick. So a bad pick in what's perceived to be a bad draft for a chance to swap with the Mavericks in 2028. And at that point, who knows where Luca's at? Who knows where the Mavericks are at? The Thunder's betting. Hey, we're probably going to be better than the Mavericks in 2028. It's worth the upside swing. So when you've got all these picks, this is something you can uh, try to do to to leverage you know, seemingly bad picks into something that might, and I emphasize might, turn out to be a better pick. Yeah. Percy just finds, he continuously finds ways, the slickest ways, to call his constituents butt down the line. Like, he really thinks, he's like (laughs) bet on the Clippers being whatever down the line. He's clearly betting on Dallas to be whatever in 2028, or to not have Luka and to maybe be entering a different era as I think, uh, I think Luca enters free agency either the summer before or something like that. Something yeah. like that, where there's a chance that they might not have him. And if they do have him, um, maybe it's unstable there. It's Kyrie, I would almost bet my life that, you know what, I mean. I would bet your let, life. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> let me bet something less serious. I would bet I would bet something serious that Kyrie isn't there anymore by then. Maybe not even by next year. Um, so, uh, Dude, because we're in 2024 right now, four years in the NBA is like, it's a long time, man. There's no chance Kyrie's going to be there. I mean. So, so Sam is just betting on the landscape in Dallas looking worse than the landscape here, which is something he did earlier this year with, uh, in that James Harden trade. He, he, he did similar and traded out of a, a first rounder for a, a, a swap, I think, in that trade too, down the line, betting on, I think it was the, the Clippers, uh, you know, lack of success down the line. So very pressy like. 
So uh, as we await the Gordon Hayward arrival in Oklahoma City, um, anything else on the Thunder's trade deadline? I mean, we talked about them not getting a big, blah, blah, blah. Any uh, any other Thunder thoughts? Um, and I kind of wrote about this yesterday, but um, I, I, added, I, I put out their solutions to the things they – they had to address, if anything, because I do think, I mean, it's hard to say that, oh, the uh, the 35-1 team has a, just is riddled with problems. Um, I think the only one, you know, another not even go down that path. I, I just provided solutions, and, and the alternate realities were really, like, what I thought were going to happen, to be honest. Um, I thought that the Thunder could have at least got involved on one of those forwards, but essentially they kind of did just a, a, a low risk, um, different type of wing that I think a lot of people anticipated, which the question obviously with Gordon Hayward is availability versus Cam Johnson, which was like, will the package be like obviously different problems there. Um, but I think Sam just found a way to, um, make the lowest risk move possible and still get, I think, what they what they thought would move the meter post-deadline um, in terms of keeping our identity and, and adding somebody that can contribute. So um, I just wanted to put that out there. Not not as a – maybe as like a, a footnote for my story from yesterday because uh, it seems people – some people enjoyed that. I don't know if it's because they really, 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 really wanted a big – um, but I kind of like really, 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 really did not expect a big to be pulling up to to OKC. So especially not Andre German. Good God. Per- Robin Lopez is available. Hey, uh, almost just I, I got to, I got told to stop cursing on here. I almost just swear it out of my mind. Robin Lopez. Give me a break. What, and what will probably happen is the Thunder will do something slick like convert somebody's contract right or do something like that. I don't, I don't know how active they'll be on the bio market, especially for a guy like. Probably yeah, I my guess would be, I mean, maybe they could go the buyout route, but we've seen them reward their two-way guys later in the year, give them standard deals, whether it be a Lindy Waters, Olivier Saar, I don't know, and then it lets them go find the next diamond in the rough, sign them to a two-way deal, and kind of keep churning through that. So we'll see. Uh, before we go, Joel, give me one winner. And one loser, you can't say the Thunder for either, from uh, today's deadline. Winner and loser, both the Thunder. Why, why would they be winner. both anyway? Who's your winner? Why would they be both anyway? Uh, winner is probably Dallas. They make good moves. Um, they look Dallas. cool. Yeah, they look cool so on like paper, PJ. man. I, I am a fan of PJ. Um, I'm a fan of PJ next to Luca because I'm a firm believer in Luca really just needs average dudes next to him. And I think PJ is above average. Um really feels like a guy that could thrive next to Luca and that Luca could thrive beside. Um just a solid scorer, um fine rebounder, um good size, versatile, um just a fine player that has suitors. And then uh Gafford is another big presence role threat. Um rim guy that could probably split some minutes with with Lively as he comes to, into his own um, and is better than Rashawn Holmes. Um, so I think, uh, I think Dallas did okay, man. They're, 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 they're taking, and they got off of a uh, Grant Williams, which, you know, a, a friend of mine argued the point that, you know, as much of a headache as Grant Williams was to this point for, for Dallas fans, like um, 
you probably really want to get your perspective on Grant Williams in a postseason setting, um, which is just two straight coaches now who have not given him the chance um, or a, a real chance to say at, you know, his postseason role in, in Missoula and, and now Jason Kidd. Um, and so um, they got off Grant, which is, a, I know, a thing a lot of people like. So I guess it was win, 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 win. Um, so they're, they're the winners. Um, and then losers. It's got to be the Bulls, man. Um, people who know me well enough by now know I'm from Chicago. Uh, I've never been a Bulls fan. They're just habitually disappointing. And this is just continuing that trend, man. Their, their lack of movement, their con- their, how content they are with um, being mid is unbelievable. They can't get enough of that play-in tournament. It's they just, love it. It's unlike anything I've seen. And I think almost as depressing is the fact that the last semblance of hope they had was when Lonzo Ball was healthy, man. And by the way, Lonzo Ball has missed two straight years of NBA yeah. basketball. But for Lonzo Ball to be the deciding factor of, hey, is our franchise going in the right direction? Like, that's kind of depressing when you say that out loud. But to have not made a move in three calendar years coming up in August, that's absurd. Not made a move at least uh, as far as players go, dealing players. They've, they've dealt picks and stuff like that. But they haven't dealt a player, done a player trade since August of 2021. How how unbelievable does that sound out loud when you hear that? It's crazy. And like there are some of these big market teams that are just afraid to tank and um, go all in on a rebuild. And then they just like kind of float in this middle ground in limbo and no one cares about them. And that's where the Bulls are. And they're just delaying the inevitable. The Bulls, a big time loser. Um, are the Bulls the Nets, a big market? Uh, Have you heard that? The Bulls are a big market, yeah, huh? Chicago, big market. Yeah. <laughs> and and, uh, and by the way, let's not say team because I read a report today. I can't I can't remember the, the the reference, but I read a report today that ownership had approved the full out rebuild, and AK said no. I'm I'm not ready for that's a rebuild. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's the most disappointing franchise in basketball right now. Uh, I have uh the the Bulls were also on my list for losers. Uh, the Raptors are a loser to me. I just don't know really what they're doing. Um, I mean, I, I did like getting off of Siakam and Ananobi, but like the Olenek deal, I didn't really, um, Olenek could have helped a lot of teams, but Hey, he's going back home. Um, winners, the Knicks, everyone loves the Knicks. The Knicks are making good moves. I I really like Bogdanovich and and Burks. They're going to help. Uh, and the Phoenix Suns, I think Royce O'Neal is going to be, a, a solid rotation piece uh, down there in Phoenix and a guy that, you know, some of hypothesized that, that could have helped the Thunder. Um, I thought we said winner. How are you, how are you going down the line and naming multiple teams, dude? All right. All right, Joel. That's all I got today. I got to go. I, I, I couldn't tell because you, you're going down the line, going through the whole NBA. Happy trade deadline. You're first. Yep. You Thanks, did well. Man. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast, and we will be back with you soon. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. 
Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.